Good afternoon and welcome to SJ at Noon, your weekly SJHL hockey talk playoff edition. The return of the playoffs, Rory <laughs> McGoran and the Nugs joining you as always. We got a great show, Nugsy, this week as we break down games one and two. The excitement, the energy in the buildings, the playoff are back. We have a wealth of hockey knowledge, but not a lot of hair follicles. We'll be joined by Brett Pilkington of the Notre Dame Hounds head coach and GM, and then Braden Clamosco of the Battleford's North Stars head coach and GM but Newsy, how was it the playoffs are back listening across the league has been fantastic we have three series that went one and one split and the only team is the Battleford's North Stars 2-0 and over the Flin Flon Bombers but uh, I'm just happy to see it back to pay attention around the league it's uh it, it looks like everyone's excited Kate you at home the fans we got to applaud you yeah you guys they came, they out. came out in droves everywhere. The lowest attended game, Bre- uh, Rory. Yeah. <laughs> got your name for a second. Uh, Rory, in the, first, in the first two games was uh, game one in Battleford's 729 fans. Mm-hmm. That, was the, that was the lowest. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll, you know, we'll talk to Braden Clamosco, and I'd love to ask him because the Battleford's fans, however many fans are, they always bring the noise. So uh, that is amazing, and Affinity Place was absolutely bumping over a grand for sure, maybe closer to two, uh, paid, unpaid, I don't know. But there, it, was, it was packed in Estevan, and I'm sure it was the uh, same in Humble. Yeah, Humboldt was great. You know, uh, Access Communication Center was great. Yeah. The Northern Lights Palace in Melfort came yeah. out and Affinity Place. It's going to all switch now to the uh, lower seed coming up in Games 3 or Game 4, but it's time for your Sask Lotteries recap as we go through Games 1 and Game 2 Friday and Saturday night, starting with the team that protected home ice. They did their job. The Battleford's North Stars, one of the strongest teams down the stretch. Uh, Dylan Esau, one of the strongest players down the stretch. We'll talk to Brady Klamosko about him and the impact he has in the dressing room but they did their job as they did in the regular season all the home teams won across those four games between the bombers and the north stars in their building and that narrative continued access communication center 2-0 battleford's up with a with a a tough challenge now for Flinflon. They got to go home and pick up games three and four, or else it could be it could be trouble. Yeah, in our preview show, you talked about this series being that key to holding home ice yes, advantage, yeah. right? The Battleford's North Stars nineteen and eight in the regular season at home. Flinflon twenty one and six, and we also saw the theme recur, Rory, of the Battleford's North Stars are just money on the power play in Battleford's. Like yeah. they are four for nine so far in this playoffs at home. It's pretty good. And they were 26% number one in the league at home uh, power plays. So, you know, they're getting uh, they're getting that production. I think there's been a lot of power plays so far around the SJHL. And, you know, some teams have taken advantage more than others. But uh, you look at the guys like, you know, Jake Southgate, Ryland McNinch, etc. The, the best players, Rory, for the Battle for North Stars have been the best players so far. Yeah, and I mean, Southgate still considered a rookie, but a 19-year-old won. Yeah. You know, he would have had his first year in the SJHL last year. Uh, Ryland McNinch has... has He's he's understand the task. Dylan Esau, though, is the guy, the lone player in the SJHL that has the experience of winning a championship in 2018-19. Only player in the league that has a championship ring. How much importance is that to a room to reflect on this guy who's been through it? Yeah, you, you always look about, you know, think about a bench. You know, you look to the guy to the right, to the left of you, a little bit of adversity. Maybe the game isn't going great. Maybe something happened. You got a bad call, something like that. 
if for the battle for his North Stars, you think about a guy like Holden Dole and 03 births here, yeah. Jordan Grill and 04 births here, you know, go down the list, uh, Matthew Henry, 04 births here. Looking to your right or your left, you see Dylan Esau, and he looks calm. That's going to just, you know, okay, this guy's got a ring. This guy knows that we'll be okay. We'll get through it. And, uh, and obviously not just Esau, but also, you know, Braden Klamosko. Sure. The yeah, absolutely. That the, there was an SJHL championship handed out. It was, you know, to Battleford's, to Braden Klamosko. So, you know, they have that experience. They know, but, uh, you know, the, the caution, the cautionary tale, and obviously it's great that Battleford's won 7-3 and 4-2 in games one and two, Rory, and, and you know this as well as me, they're going into the Whitney Forum. They're going <laughs> to your home province in Manitoba there where restrictions are lifted. It's crazy. And not only are the restrictions lifted, Rory, but the zoo. Yeah. It's going to be the zoo in Affinity Place. Yeah. Uh, it it's March March fifteenth, if I'm not mistaken. Like everything, oh. right? There's no more uh, capacity on limits. There's no more masking mandates. So the first game yeah. at home yeah. in the Whitney Forum is going to be Game Three in the playoffs, yeah. down zero and two with no restrictions. Oh. I was there two years ago for the playoffs. It was absolutely insane. I can't imagine with now the sort of weight lifted off of the capacity in the fan base for Mike Reagan and that crew what they're going to experience on Tuesday. Yeah. So. It's going to be crazy. But the, the issue so far right now, and I don't want to get into it too much. It's only two games. Long way to go in this series. And I'm sure when we talk to Braden Klamosko, you know, he's probably going to say the same thing. You know, it's a two-game lead, but it doesn't mean anything until you go on the road. And they, you know what they say, Rory, in the playoffs, you're never in trouble. Until you lose at home. home. Yeah. Uh, but so far, Michael Harash has seriously outdueled Cowshell, right? Yeah. 940 save percentage for Harash. And, you know, I was talking to Braden Klamosko a little bit before the show uh, as well, uh, yesterday, in fact, and we were talking about how uh, Michael Harash hadn't played a game since February the 17th, mm -hmm. and Wilcox came out of a game uh, injured against Notre Dame. Austin Schwab came in, and we know how that went for the Stars very well. Schwab was great down the stretch. Uh, but he hadn't played a game until game one of the playoffs in, uh, you know, so about a month. He hadn't played a game in a month, Rory. And then he comes in and, and just dominates the Flin Flon Bombers. Spectacular two games for Michael Harash, 20-year-old veteran goalie, and doing what he needs to do. And you talk about the playoffs, you got to win, you got to have great goaltending. Yeah, and he faced 83 shots yeah. combined between the two games, the yeah. 50 shots on net in game one, right. and was spectacular. And I don't think in, uh, he didn't play the last game of the season. You mentioned it, right? So yeah. when did they actually find out that Harash was ready to go and start game one in the playoffs and not go with Austin Schwab, who was fantastic down the stretch. Yeah. Two very capable goaltenders. But yeah, Harash has been a great story in Battleford's coming back, final season, injured in the middle of the season, comes back, spectacular mm -hmm. in a few games against Estevan and Humboldt, injured again, comes back, and fantastic to start the playoffs. Unbelievable job by him. Yeah, great, uh, great story. And the, you see the on the uh, screen there, the, the Series 3, 1-1 one, one Series. It's a parody that you love in the SJ, but uh, again, and even though that's a two nothing, still got to go to Flynn Flon, and that Bombers team is still very, very talented. They are, but you got to look right now at their special teams. This is the one that they take so much pride yeah. in the power play and the penalty kill. Their power plays at twelve point five percent. They're one for eight, right? It's it's not a big sample size. You know, they can score two goals quick, and that jumps up to like thirty percent, right? Yeah. So it's not a lot. But their penalty kill, they've fifty five percent. They left four goals on nine attempts. So. They need to be able to keep their composure, heading home, right, with that energy, get through the first couple, two minutes, try to take over the game. But it's proven right now that if you let the North Stars on the power play, it, they're making the Flint Flint Bombers pay, and so far it's gotten them two wins. Well, the last time these two, series, these two teams played in a series, they went seven. 
Yeah. I, again, I won't be surprised. I got a hunch this is going to be a long series, folks. Uh, hey, very happy for you, Battleford North Stars fans. You deserve it. The four Stars deserve their 2 nothing lead. But uh, you're not in trouble until you lose at home. Yeah, and that is one of the most difficult places to win in is the Whitney Farm. I can't wait to see the the oh. videos of goals and listening to Rob Hart, the broadcaster, and oh, his yeah. call. Uh, it's going to be electric in the Whitney Farm and Flynn Fawn coming up on Tuesday. We'll start from the middle and branch out in the SJHL playoffs of your Sask Lotteries recap. Going out to the Melford Mustangs and the Yorkton Terriers. The latest game, double overtime already. We've played just two games across the league, and two of them have gone into double overtime. We'll get to the first one. It was the Notre Dame Hounds, but this one, Keyshawn Gervais and it was as big as a goal for the Yorkton Terriers because you go down 2 nothing to the Melford Mustangs who can close things out. We know they can with Trevor Blevins and that experienced coaching staff, but Yorkton gets the job done here, and they needed to, I think. Yeah, oh yeah, big time and big, uh, obviously big shots uh, for both teams to go into double overtime as, as Keyshawn, you know, he's been, he's been clutch for Yorkton, uh, you know, all year long, pretty much since he's been a Yorkton Terrier. He hasn't put up, you know, the gaudiest numbers in the SJ in terms of points, but he's when, when they needed him, he's been uh, he's been phenomenal. Melford's had a lot of power play opportunities. They've 14. had 14 power play opportunities in two games, and we knew that the Melford Mustangs were coming in as a very hot power play team just in general. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, you know, be curious to see, uh, you know, how long Nolan Dole's suspension is going to be. His hit from behind was was pretty it was pretty intense. Uh, but, you know, that, that's neither here nor there. Obviously, the Melford Mustangs have enough weapons to, to get done. I think we got the... I think this this hit's coming up here. There you go. Boom. So that was Ooh. that was pretty bad. And and you know maybe after that that kind of really spurred the the Yorkton Terriers on. Um, but kudos to them. Obviously, double overtime could go either way. And uh, twenty to fifteen, the shots in the first overtime. So it must have been you know it was really back and forth yeah. too. So yeah, I, I, I in our prediction show, Rory, we talked about. I think the series is going seven. I think we all maybe I'll pivot. I I'll had seven. seven. Yeah. So hey, you know what? These are two teams that uh, have coaches that you know have been in the playoffs. Matt Hare for Yorkton, Trevor Blevins for Melfort. Yorkton knows how to you know maybe play a little bit of the underdog. Sometimes they'll sit back and wait for your mistakes and. And the Milford Mustangs made enough of them in game two. And if you're just creeping into the SJHL playoffs right now, you can go back across the SJHL social media pages and uh, find our playoff preview that we recorded, joined by Nick Nielsen, the voice of the, the Kindersley Clippers, who brought in his insight into the playoff series. But this is kind of what a lot of us expected. You know, the Broncos can't overlook the LaRange Ice Wolves. Notre Dame, huge underdogs, yes, but getting the job done in game one. And you have three out of the four series that are tied after the home ice advantage team drops one at home. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, the, the 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 nature of the beast in in 2022 is that even if you're a veteran player, you know, I was tallying up, you know, who's had a lot of power or, uh, playoff games on their roster in, in experience. Nobody has crazy crazy numbers. Not a lot at all. Because of COVID, right? Yeah. Cuz uh, like the last last year there was no playoffs. Year before that it was canceled after 4 or whatever it was. So doesn't matter if you're a veteran or not. Like, and also, you know, it'd be interesting to talk to Braden Klamosko and Brett Pilkington to see their insights, talk to their players. Um, but it's just been so long since anybody's even played a playoff game, too. So, you know, there's excitement, there's nerves. It's all pretty fresh. So, it, you know, that that is a real sense of parity, I think. Uh, to start this because everybody's in a very similar boat. So one more talk about the Melford Mustangs and the Yorkton Terriers before we move on to the Broncos and the Ice Wolves. Has Joel Favreau been the best goaltender of the playoffs so far? He's got a 942 save percentage. Mm -hmm. uh, he did lose the game against the Yorkton Terriers, but it's, has he been the best goalie so far this series, this, this playoff season? 
<laughs> you know what? I, 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 I don't think so. I mean, I think they've got a great decor, great team mm. in front of him. He's, he's very, very good. I'm glad for him. I would give that nod probably to Michael Harash. Uh, you know, y- you're in there to win, and the Bombers at different times during those two games really came hard at the, mm. at the Stars desperately. And also, the youngest goaltender in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, Austin Elliott, has been absolutely spectacular. Oh, he stopped, what, 52 in the he, win? He's on faced 94 shots. 94 shots. So that, he, that's that's been, the most, I would believe. Been, he's been unreal. Yeah. He's been unreal. So, Harash and Elliott probably, but Favreau's right up there. Yeah, and especially throughout the season when you had, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a split. Favreau was in another lineup due to injuries, but James Venn proved his case that he's capable uh, to see Favreau get the range and have that success through games one and two. Of course, they did split the series, but uh, it seems to be his crease right now moving forward. Yeah, it is It is his crease, and you can never count out the Melford Mustangs. Their decor is so steady, top to bottom, too. Leighton Holine, really, at the late, late in the year, really took a big step forward. He's off to a great start these playoffs. And obviously, veterans like Lucas Ochiwa, Mark Snar, they've been around forever. So, And Kevin, Kevin, Kevin Munock back is, is a huge piece for Melford, too. So, you know, they've got to be happy with what they're putting in front of Favreau. Uh, and Favreau's making the saves he's needed to. Still, it's 1-1. I think it's going to be a long series. Kale the Papes on the other side, and he's yeah. elite, too. So uh, we got some great, great goaltending in the SJ. Yeah, and Keyshawn Gervais, one more time uh, on him, the overtime yeah. winner. And that kid plays with as much passion yep. as any in the SJHL. And as any surprises, we're going to get another look at the overtime winner here to see that it's their captain, Keyshawn Gervais, the heart and soul, the motor of that team, ending it and tying the series 1-1. Yeah, I feel, feel a bit for the, the maybe the one young guy on the blue line there for uh, Melford, Leith Olofsson. Mm-hmm. Uh, there again getting caught there a little bit and that's the difference in the playoffs right Roy, especially overtime just the smallest little mistake the smallest little detail and, and you know you, you you miss you mishandle a puck on a four check and, and and boom it's in the back of your net so Keyshawn's a veteran he plays with as much moxie and presence as anybody in the league you notice when he's on the ice and give him credit for that one just ask lottery's recap as we go now to the two seed versus the seven seed humble broncos versus the larange ice wolves they split as well maybe to a surprise to some people who thought their humble broncos would have their way mm. has not been the case through two games game one featured four lead changes including two leads by the uh, larange ice wolves one nothing and four three early on and then four three heading into the third broncos fought back with a couple power play goals late and pulled pulled away a victory where larange um just as much deserved to maybe earn that one with the way they played in the second period as well. Broncos, I think, controlled the opening, uh, the bookending periods, but middle was all them. And then the different story in game two, your tight-knit, tough-to-get opportunities kind of game with one lead change. Xavier Cannon, the first shutout in the SJHL playoffs, 28 saves and a 2-0 LaRange victory. Uh, that was the way they need to play to win games, and they just took it to the Broncos. The Broncos got undisciplined. Power plays were 8-2 to two in favor of the LaRange Ice Wolves, and I would say seven of them were deserving because the Broncos lost their cool. Yeah, you know what? The, the, I would talk to, I love to talk to Jordan Fry. Everybody around the league loves Jordan Fry. He does some color, color commentary, been on TV, and former LaRange Ice Wolves goaltender talked to him with this LaRange team, and he said, hey, like, they just play the game within the lines, within the whistles, then they can really play with anybody. And Kevin Kaminsky is as great a coach as anybody in the SJHL in terms of getting getting a lot of passion, energy, zip, whatever you want to call it, out of his team. And and in the playoffs, that's you know everything. You know, Braden Klamosko of the Stars always talks about nuts and guts is what you need in the mm-hmm. in hockey. And uh, you know this Nor- this Larange team, uh, we talked about it in our preview again to bring it back. Can they kill penalties when they're taking penalties? 
They gave up four power play goals to Humboldt. They were four for seven with the Broncos in the first game. That's, you know, I'm not splitting hairs here, not, uh, not you know, being rude. That's not good enough. It's four for seven. You can't do that. Over oh, two, the next game, special teams, you figure it out. You always talk about if you're going to have a, an upset, I always say, first thing you need is goaltending. Xavier Cannon was great both games. Uh, second game, or, or uh, second point, special teams. And LaRange Geisel stayed out of the box. That's the first part of special Those teams. were the two points we brought up that, that yeah. in, the pre, in the preview show that I mean, yeah. Xavier Cannon needs to steer, steal yeah. the, the series. Yeah. And the special teams, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, and so they, they, they stayed out of the box and they killed the two penalties that they got. So in game two, yeah. 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 And, and the Humboldt Broncos, only second time all year, Rory, that they've been shut out. The other time was to Michael Harash in the Battle for North Star. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you look at the Broncos' penalty kill, though. It has not been good either. It's at 69.2%. They've allowed four power play goals as well, yeah. but on 13 attempts. So LaRange said 13 power plays, Broncos nine. But yeah. it, if it stays five on five, it's a one. It's a one-one game. Like there, yeah. there's been twelve goals scored. Nine of them have been on special teams. Eight power play, one shorthanded, and one goal has been an empty net goal. Yeah. So you have two goals in this in this series that have been five on five. It has been determined almost strictly off of power plays and penalty kills, uh, which needs to stop for both these kind of te- both these teams. Yeah, including a power play, you know, late in game one there that that Humboldt took advantage of. You know. Uh, Another element for LaRange, too, and especially with their power play, but 5-on-5, five five too, is getting hold of Knights, their captain back. He's, you know, there's no doubt, especially with Aaron Gray Eyes uh, still out of the lineup, that Holden Knights is LaRange's best player. And, you know, there's the late penalty that uh, that Gavin Matty took uh, mm-hmm. in that game one uh, that, that gave Humboldt that power play that they ended up capitalizing on. That was yeah, a bit of a questionable penalty to take late in the, in the game. But anyways... Holden Knights being back is a big piece for, for LaRange. He's one of the premium players in this league, and, and I think that's uh, you know a real plus for LaRange. Yeah, I, and I, I don't think any of the teams can really complain in this series. You know, I was I did have the vantage point of mm-hmm. uh, of broadcasting the game. I think in the game one, sure, there were some calls that LaRange is not going to like, yeah. right? Maybe a little bit in the favor of the Broncos in game one. It was 7-5, to five, the power play. It's not egregious, but a couple of the, power, the penalties, you can argue this one late in the game, tied 4-4. Was it a penalty? No. You can argue. Well, you're, there you go. You're on that side of it. I'm sure some people would say yes. No. And then in game two, it was in favor of the LaRange Ice Wolves. So there's no more, there's no complaining for either coach sure. it got it went both ways deal with it right yeah. figure out what your team got to do you got to stay out of the the box yeah. and and move on so now they're going up to the mel Haglin. larange did their job you mentioned holden knights this guy is the most prototypical playoff hockey player yeah. in the sjhl he comes with a high intensity physical aggression that comp- uh, compiled with his goal scoring ability it is a playoff hockey player prototype. You would want 20 of them on your team. He might be the best player in the playoffs in the SJHL that I've seen yeah, this so year. Far, yeah. So far, yeah. He, yeah, this, he's, been, he's been lights out. When he's not in, it's a huge miss for yeah. LaRange. With him back in, they're a different team. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, LaRange did their job. They, they wanted to go into Humboldt, at least try to take one. And now Humboldt has to go into LaRange. We were talking about the Whitney Forum. I can't wait to see how that building, because two years ago when it was canceled, they had their hopes sky high yeah. with that team that Kevin Kaminsky assembled to go on a deep playoff run. It was taken away from them, and now they got a chance here to try and get the Broncos in a little bit of a panic because, you know, game three is huge yeah. for LaRange. It's also maybe even more bigger for Humboldt to try and get that composure back. Yeah, I, you know what? Again, that, that rink is perfect for the way Kevin Kaminsky and uh, Kyle Schneider, their assistant, want them their team to play, you know, aggressive everywhere, swarming, physical. 
hit you everywhere. You know, but they stay out of the blocks. They definitely have a chance. Absolutely. And the final one is one verse eight, the Notre Dame Hounds against the Estevan Bruins also split the series there at Affinity Place. But let's just start with game one. The Hounds, again, uh, the belief started in the dressing room. It was it was all on on them to know that, it, that they can beat the Estevan Bruins. And they came out and proved it. Double yeah. overtime, Sam Croon. And I think what did you lose? Six years off your life with that broadcast, or what? You, you lost your absolute uh, mind, but rightfully so, because that was a huge goal by Sam Kroon. Yeah, it quite, uh, <laughs> man, was I uh, was I tired after that? But uh, you know what? The Hounds put everything into it. The, the shot clock was a little bit whack, I think, fifty-five, thirty-six. I think the Hounds had to take about three shots to be counted on the scoreboard. Who cares about shot clock? It just makes Austin Elliott look good and Boston below us not as good but both Elliot and below us have been very good both uh, mm. both games got to give them big time credit and one of the interesting you know extra sort of sidebars about this series is you have the top two goal scorers in the regular season in this series Mark Rumsey for the Estevan Bruins and he already uh, has three, three. and uh, Elliot Dutille for Notre Dame he just keeps banging goals in too he has two also so uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, I was interviewed by Nolan Cole before game two and, or game one, rather. And, you know, he said, what do you think? Well, you see what a shot by Will Dawson right there. But he's like, what do you expect from this series? You think the Hounds are going to trap it up, back it up, park the bus, whatever, try to try to hold on, keep the games close? I'm like, no, I don't think so. The Hounds don't. That's not the way that Brett Pilkington wants the team to play. They want to come out. They want to play hard in your face. And, you know, Kevin Anderson, you know, hasn't put up the numbers. I'm sure that he would have hoped. Well, he's got no points. You, you, you say, hey, at the end of two games, Kevin Anderson has no points. You don't think probably the Hounds don't have any wins. But they have a, they have a split. So it's kind of like the same as LaRange Rory. It's, it, if you, you sit here and you say, hey, you know, would you take a split after the first two if you're the Notre Dame Hounds? I'd yeah. say you ob obviously take it. So, again, I think the Hounds have got to feel all right about the, those first two games. How big, though, for the Estevan Bruins? Yeah. You, you know, you never want to lose a game. Yeah. But how big and important was it for them to maybe lose a game yeah. to the Notre Dame Hounds? Just a little self-check, right? Hey, mm -hmm. this is real. This this can happen. Yeah. Let's 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 play the way we can play, right? Yeah. Because mm -hmm. you you take your mind off, and a series can get away from you quicker than you imagine. I think a loss to the Hounds may be the biggest benefit actually to the Bruins. Yeah, no, it's a great point. Nick Nielsen in the pregame, the preview actually also talked about. You know, I think the series. He he said the series is going five. Estevan's going to lose one. It's going to get them in gear. <laughs> they lost the first one. They hadn't played since the fifth and how many March, and how many so. but how many of those games down the stretch were actually meaningful and, and, games and of those games down the stretch right so they weren't was, they weren't really meaningful a lot of time yeah. off for yeah. this event and then they played and then they weren't meaningful they had clinched first etc etc so you know again I, I i thought you know on the on the bus going to the game that jason tatarnik's level of concern after game one was probably zero <laughs> like, like maybe less than zero <laughs> and he was you know he was he was goofing off not not he was focused and serious but he was he was he was not not concerned as, as the way I kind of perceived him and you know they the Bruins in game two uh you know they tried to bully this young Notre Dame team and they got them off their game I feel like and you know the Hounds need to focus on what they do and uh, obviously guys like Evan Vanden Heuvel and Phil Fast and you know Kevin Anderson to some degree will stick up for each other and they you know they'll, they won't back off but uh the strength of this Notre Dame team is their skating and their energy and their forecheck uh, and not necessarily getting into a you know a, a street fight with the Estevan Bruins, who have, as I said, uh, you know Mark Rumsey, who's enormous, and Eric Pierce, who's a Memorial Cup experienced guy, and Eric Houck, who's 
was in there dub forever so it, you know it, it, it's not that's not the type of matchup that the hounds want to get into uh, but game one you know it was it was a great hockey game game two but i think both teams are a little tired either way uh, you know, great, great first two games. Interesting to see how this game series goes forward. And I want to give a shout out to uh, one guy because you, you say that I never give him praise, but <laughs> uh, Kevin Anderson, I got to give him a shout out for standing up, uh, you know, for his teammates there and dropping the gloves with Mark Rumsey at the end of that game. That's a tough customer. That's a size mismatch. And, and uh, he held his, yeah. he held his own and stayed in there. So yeah. I want to give him a shout out for doing that. It's a captain. It's a captain move down in game two. And uh, it was a big, it was a big, big moment, I think. Yeah, for the Notre Hounds. He, he and Kev actually, uh, Kev actually instigated it. To be honest, like he started it with Rumsey. Well, still, but that's what so, you got to do when you yeah. think your team maybe needs something like that—a little spark, because that'll carry over to Game Three. Absolutely, yeah. right? So, well, I'm sure that I'm sure that's what is that's what his intention. Yes, is. yes. But you know, it, it, it's 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 a fine balance for Kev too, because you know, obviously, he you know, second leading point getter in the league, and mm. you know, NHL eyes, I guess, on him to some degree, and. Uh, you know the hounds need him you know playing hockey scoring goals uh, you know so I guess you could look at it two ways you could look at it as yeah he sparked well, he didn't game. do something to suspend himself like no, that's what I mean no, he'll be back true. in game three yeah I know that true. game was done like it's true I, yeah I'm not not sitting here criticizing anybody for anything it's just it's just interesting and it was an interesting decision at, at the time I loved of the game. it I loved yeah. it yeah I'm sure yeah. most people did yeah um, but uh, yeah so the end of the day it's only game two also and the hounds did get their split out of affinity place so i think both jason tatarnik and brett pilkington are probably you know sitting sort of fine with where things are right now yeah and i just got i got one more question to ask you because again you were in the buildings you called yeah. you, you called the games what did the hounds do in game one mm-hmm. uh you know they pulled it on double overtime but what was the one thing that you thought allowed them to be in that game and and keep it close allowing them to win and then what was the correction that the bruins made in game two yeah well so the, so the way that the hounds played in game one was to their strengths they got pucks deep and behind and you know they they forced to use their speed use their legs their strength both nolan coventry blake rasmussen you know dane Proby. these guys were turning pucks over left and right making chances nick sombrowski really stepped up physically you know the list kind of goes on the hounds were sticking to their strengths in game one they got right away from it in game two and i think maybe fatigue had something to do with it and they tried to be a little bit individual and break into the humble zone or the uh, estevan zone and not getting pucks deep and and all those little details that the Hounds need to do to, to keep themselves, uh, you know, aggressive and part of hockey games. And, they, you know, they got away with get, got away from it. And that was right into the Estevan Bruins game plan. So, uh, you know, the, the, the Estevan way in game two was, you know, we're going to be a little bit more extracurricular after the whistle. You know, we're going to and the Hounds pushed back. There was both teams were taking swings. Uh, but the Bruins were, were trying Try to, to throw be the them big off bad the game yeah, to yeah. some degree and get them get this young Notre Dame team off their game. And they succeeded big time in game two. And Jason Tatarnik probably has a big smile on his face right now because of it, <laughs> because his team, you know, executed the game plan very, very well. Boston below us made a few saves when he needed to. But, uh, you know, the only the only really the way that I saw that game, too, is and hopefully nobody gets too mad at me, but I don't care. Uh, the, if Austin Elliott isn't spectacular, Game Two is is way off the rails yeah. scoreboard wise, and th- and that's how much the Bruins and possi- and Game One too. I would fifty two well, of fifty five double overtime though. I guess that'll, that'll skew the shots. The shot clocks were, yeah, both, yeah. The, both teams had great chances. Yeah. Nolan Coventry hit a post, you know, for Notre Dame. Dayton Deeks hit a post for Estevan. There were chances both ways in Game One. It was a very even game. Uh, game Two wasn't even, but uh, you know, again, it, it, the Hounds young eighth seed on the road first two games get a split Tarnick happy to see his team responding game two got a big performance from Mark Rumsey I don't think anybody in this league shoots the puck like Mark Rumsey I don't think there's a doubt about that yeah boy is he spectacular when he's 
gets a little bit of time and space. Um, and the Hounds gave him that, and he took advantage. So, uh, you know, both both coaches are happy. Well, that was your Sask Lottery's recap. And uh, before we go to break, after break, we will welcome in the head coach of the Notre Dame Hounds, Brett Pilkington. And then right after Brett Pilkington will be Braden Klamosko of the Battlefords North Stars coming up. So back-to-back interviews with your uh, with the coaches around the SHL playoffs. But before we go to break, I would like one thing, Producer Tanner, if you could play us out with Nugsy losing his god mind out of the Sam Kroon double <laughs> overtime. Uh, let's let that lead us to break on SJ News. He, he scores! He scores! Sam Kroon in overtime! And the Hounds take game one here in Estevan through a screen. What an effort! What a hockey game, and the Hounds put everything they have into this one. Well, welcome back to SJ at Noon. I am Jamie Nugabauer, joined by the head coach and GM of the Notre Dame Hounds Junior A, Brett Pilkington, after the weekend series. Brett, thanks for doing this. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I, uh, you know, as I was saying to you earlier there, got, uh, got off the bus last night, and uh, Wilcox was bumping with uh, St. Patty's party, so... Thought I better dip my feet in there for a few hours. There you go. Hey, you gotta have fun in this in this day and age. Then again, you there you go. You had a couple minutes, a couple hours, I guess, to reflect on the first two games of the series. The Hounds get the split. The eight seed Hounds with the one seed Bruins. Uh, now that you've had a little bit of time to breathe from there, uh, you know, how do you reflect on the first two games? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Friday night they're going five periods. It's uh, tough on both teams, and uh, you know, last night they're. Uh, I just felt we didn't have the jam that was required to play against a team such as Estevan, and, uh, you know, that was a big difference last night there. Sure. Uh, the one area, I guess, that you really got in, in spades both nights was the performance of the youngest goaltender in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League in Austin Elliott. Uh, never ceases to uh, impress, I guess, those watching this year on and off the ice. Just talk about, uh, you know, his performance over the weekend. Yeah, I mean, I mean he made some key stops for us both nights there, and, uh, you know, as I told you before, Noji, you know, he's he's having his tryouts for next year. Every single night he gets in there, and, uh, you know, a lot of the next level for him is back-to-backs, and so it was good to see him step up last night there and make some stops for us, even though it was in a losing cause, but uh, it was good to see him in back-to-back nights play that way. Yeah, for sure. Just a little context. Uh, Austin Elliott, a prospect of the Saskatoon Blades, and, and hopes to be there, uh, I think, next year and beyond. Uh, you know, i got to ask you too, Brett, coming into this series, I think, uh, no matter what, I call it spade a spade, a one and an eight seed matchup, the, the eight is always going to be the underdog. Do you embrace that or do you ignore that? Um, I completely ignore it. Uh, playoffs being a whole different uh, season once you're in, uh, you know, you play the games and they're best of seven series and, uh, you know, where the chips lie, the chips lie, so play on. Yeah, for sure. And I guess that being said, obviously the other Estevan Bruins, you know, 850 plus games at the major junior level, over 70 playoff games at the junior A and major junior level. Uh, you know, so much experience over there. You know, what was the message to your team to try to sort of mitigate or deal with any sort of nerves that they might have had facing the Estevan Bruins? Well, I, for us, you know, with the Hounds, they're being a, being a young team. I'm, I think we're probably one of the youngest teams in the league. And, uh, you know, we, we focus day in and day out on, on ourselves and, uh, you know, our energy levels and our compete levels. And, uh, you know, we're not uh, uh, too concerned with who we're going against. We're more worried about what we're doing because uh, as the season went on and, you know, uh, 
uh, we, we were fighting ourselves for consistency day in and day out. So uh, we still got the same focus points, uh, obviously coaching a little bit differently down here in the playoffs, but uh, um, you know the identity of the team is still the same and uh, the way we want to play is still the same. Well, you, you mentioned they're coaching a little bit differently. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, just when you you know when you, you get in the playoffs, uh, you know the the matchups and uh, you know the guys you're putting in different situations are are very key. And uh, you know you kind of take those first two games and explore a little bit on that side. And uh, as you get into game three and four, you get more focused on exactly where guys can succeed. Sure. Obviously, you know there's certain guys maybe on this team that get more press than others. But one guy I specifically want to ask you about is Jared Sitch, who is who played 46 plus minutes. In game one, obviously, the a lot of it having to do with double overtime, and then big minutes again in game two. Uh, just you know, how impressed uh, are you with him in terms of his consistency of performance? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, those minutes speak for themselves. But uh, you know, sometimes that's not the best to play that much in back-to-back -back nights. But uh, you know, it, it was on the line there. We didn't have much option to to go with there. So we, I mean, he stepped up and did it. And uh, you know, we, we've been working with him since day one to try to get him up to, you know, the minutes he can succeed at. And uh, he knows, uh, you know, even after this year and moving forward, he's got to continue to work on his conditioning and uh, to be a top-notch elite defenseman in this league and moving into Division One hockey. So it's an everyday focus for us as a coaching staff and with uh, a guy like Jared Sitch is to get the best out of him each and every day. So the Hounds win game one, four, three, and double overtime in affinity place a rock in affinity place game two the bruins uh win four to one uh on saturday night uh just talk about the atmosphere in affinity place uh, obviously no vax pass no masking etc etc the COVID stuff in the rear room year we hope a little bit uh, just talk about how much fun it was just to be in the playoffs yeah i, I mean down there in estevan i'm sure all the buildings in the, this first weekend were fantastic from what i hear and you know it's that whole thing that there was no playoffs for two years and mm -hmm. uh um, people wanting to get back into the barns and uh, see some high quality playoff hockey and uh, you know down there in affinity it, it didn't uh, disappoint at all and uh, you know it's always good when you're standing on the box in the players box there and there's kids behind you shaking the glass and hitting you in the head and and that's what all hockey's all about is right there you can't be mad about that because it's kids having fun and kids excited to see playoff hockey so it, it was amazing sure Couple more, two more questions than uh, than for you, Brett. Uh, you have game two on Tuesday in Wilcox. Obviously, different ice surface, different atmosphere. Uh, you know, what are you kind of expecting uh, from your team, and what are you hoping from your team in terms of a response from game two? Yeah, I just in response from game two, as I said there, I felt last night we didn't have the jam we had in game one there, and so. Um, you know the message getting to practice uh, here today and tomorrow is uh, to get the get the jam back and get the excitement to play game three and. Uh, you know, if, if we can get that going on Tuesday night, uh, we'll see where it lies. For sure. Then uh, just the last question then, uh, what are your, what's your assessment on uh, the opposition so far? Obviously, uh, Mark Rumsey, two goals, doesn't need too many chances. They don't seem like they need too many chances to score. No, you, you look at that roster, you got nine CHL guys there. You know, they've been through it a few times, heavy on the back, on the back end. And, uh, you know, and, and when you look at their roster, they got guys that uh, can score at this level that potentially couldn't score at, at the other levels. So, um, you know, it's good to see them succeed as, as well. But at the same time, we've got to find a way to shut them down if we're going to be successful in the first round here. So game two, or game three, I should say, goes Tuesday night in Wilcox. All right, well, thanks very much, Brett. Next up, we have Braden Klamosko, the head coach and GM of the Battlefords North Stars. Here on SJ at Noon, don't go anywhere.
Welcome back to SJ at noon, Rory McGoran and the Nugs over there. Big thanks to Brett Pilkington of the Notre Dame Hounds. And now we're going to jump over to the one team in the SJHL playoffs that have taken a 2 nothing stranglehold lead. Both wins on home ice. It's the Battleford's North Stars and their head coach and GM, Braden Klamosko. Braden, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, how are things going? Big 2 nothing lead in the playoffs in the opening round. Yeah, thank you. Uh, obviously, we... we... It's going better than if we were down 0-2, I'll tell you that. And, yeah, it, uh, it feels good so far for sure. So walk us through the first two games. Uh, you picked up back-to-back wins, protecting home ice, as you did in the regular season in the season series between the two teams. Uh, just walk us through the 2 nothing lead against the Flint Flon Bombers. Tough customer, but your thoughts on the 120 minutes in games one and two. Yeah, both very similar. Um, I think... Flynn came out hot in both of them pretty hard. We were on our heels early. Um, you know, they, they scored the first goal in the first game, and then Mikey was lights out for the second half of that period. Michael Herat, um, obviously just back from injury, and kind of kept us in it. And then we we scored one. Matt Henry scored a nice goal to tie it up late in that period. And then we actually, on a shorthanded goal, was able to, to take the lead after that period and felt like, we kind of stole a period away from them and kind of rode the momentum of that game just by, you know, that period alone, probably. So Mikey was the difference there. He, you know, he had 50 shots and was, you know, really good for us. And then last night, same thing, Flint Flon came out hard and, you know, they were, you know, they were forechecking hard on us and we were struggling getting out of our end. And, you know, we, we were able to squeak one by shell early and kind of, you know, get the momentum back on our side and, just kind of rode that, you know, so very close games. I don't think the score indicated how close they really were. And, you know, um, I, I think, you know, for us to be 2-0, it almost feels like it's 1-1 in a lot of areas because we know how difficult the Flynn Fund building is going to be for us. You mentioned that Michael Harash, your uh, your veteran goaltender there, was was lights out in his performance in the playoffs. He did have an injury in the back end there of the regular season. I know you have confidence in all your goalies, including Austin Schwab there, who finished out the regular season. When did you know that Mike would be ready to go? Because he didn't play that last game in the regular season, but uh, in the playoffs, he's been your guy. We knew Friday morning. <laughs> okay, well, there you go <laughs> you know like it was that close like it really was and mm. we were we were hoping you know overall and, and, and basically he got cleared by the doctors Friday morning and mm. in which is you know like obviously it was it was big we thought you know there was a good chance that it, he was coming along nicely but on Monday I definitely like he didn't ride the bus with us to Notre Dame because we still weren't mm. comfortable with where he was at and everything and you know, Tuesday we ramped it up and were able to, you know, get him cleared. So he was, it was a while, you know, it was, it was a, you know, a stressful couple of days for everyone. And, you know, obviously the other guys did their job though, you know, to, to weather the storm, but obviously Mikey's our guy and, and Mikey, you know, was uh, a real key contributor of why we won the first two games. Yeah. Brayden, uh, thanks for your time. I obviously was calling the game when the last time Michael Harash played before the playoffs, it was in Wilcox. February the 17th but uh, anyways we we move on you know regular season you guys 26.4 percent on the power play at the access communication center in North Battleford that is the best home power play clip you guys four for nine in these two games on the power play what is it about playing on the power play at home that really suits your guys I guess to be so successful to be honest dudes we, we just don't get many chances and we're really efficient on it like 
you look, you know, power play wise, we probably almost have a hundred less than anyone else that's still in the playoffs chances wise in the whole league, you know, so we don't get a ton of chances and it's, um, you know, I'm not bashing the refs at all. It's the way we play. We don't, you know, generate many opportunities for ourselves. And I just feel like when we get them, we take advantage of them because we don't get many, you know, it's, it's one of those where you get lots, you feel like uh, we can take one off or two. Sometimes you're only getting one or two a game. So you feel like, oh, this feels good. Let's try and score on it. And I think that's why we've been so successful is it's, it's one of those things where you don't get many. So you want to do your best when you're on it because, yeah, you, you don't know if you're going to get another type of thing. Another guy I wanted to ask you about, uh, hometown boy. I remember talking to you before the preseason last year and you said, look, Look out for this Jake Southgate kid, uh, local boy, obviously, you know, five points in the first two games, three goals, a two goal game out of the one of them. Uh, you know, he missed, uh, I think that last game against Notre Dame also, uh, I don't know, I didn't want to speculate about an injury or anything, but yeah, and how impressive was he over the two games? Yeah, he's been unreal. You know, he's been unreal all year for us and first two games, he's been electric for us. And um, yeah, th there was a bit of an injury and, you know, like I told you that night, if it was, you know, playoffs, he would have been playing, but we just thought it was best thing for him that, you know, we didn't need him in that night and whatever else. So yeah, he's, you know, he's a big leader for us in a lot of ways. He just competes so hard all the time. and One of our fastest players. And um, yeah, he's obviously a big reason why we're at 2-0 right now. I want to switch the attention on to Dylan Esau. I mean, he's the lone player in the SJHL that has a championship ring that was on your roster for the 2018-19 championship team there in the Battlefords. His finish to the season was as impressive as anyone else in the league over the last 12 to 15 games. What does that show to the rest of your roster that he's picking up his game at the right time heading into the playoffs? Well, and that was a time where we didn't a lot of our big horses were out, you know, like your, your, your Southgates, your Doles, your McNinches. A lot of guys were in and out with injuries. And basically Dylan was just like, Hey, everyone jump on my back and just, you know, let me do it. And he, he's been, you know, electric in this last half year, the last couple of games. And, um, you know, in the playoffs, he's been so good in our room to just guys are just listening to him. Right. Like, yeah, it's one thing, you know, you, he's experienced it. He's been there before. And, you know, his demeanor is so good for playoff time where he's not too high, not too low. He's just such an even keel professional guy that's been there before that, that we're, you know, really leaning on right now. Uh, with a guy like that who has been through the grind of the playoffs, he's won the championship. Do you just let him kind of, you, you, you trust him to kind of lead that room when you're taking these young players that haven't experienced it, some at all because of COVID last year that canceled. Do you just let them kind of take the reins and lead that room? Absolutely, you do. You know, there's not many, there's no one else in the league that has a guy like that. Yeah, right now. yeah, yeah. Worth something more than anyone else. I can tell them how to, you know, how we should be doing things. But coming from Dylan means a lot more, right? Because he's he's been there. So I think that's that's a chip that no one else, you know, you, you can't you can't buy, you can't do anything that I have that I'm pretty lucky to have. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of chips, you are the last coach to coach a team to a SDHL championship. Uh, what did you take from you know your run back in 1819 that you tried to you know, put into this group, obviously you, you had given that message to Esau before he's the one 
returning guy. But what did you kind of take from the the championship that you you put into your message or your messages for this team ahead of this postseason? I I, I think there's there's lots. You know, I think yeah. Uh, you feel a little bit more confident this time around than last and in everything like that. And you just, you, you try and just help your guys learn the experiences that we've been through as coaches and as players. You know, I was, I was fortunate enough to win two, you know, SJ championships back in the day. And I try and help, you know, I try and help our guys out as much as possible. And if they have any questions. I try and, you know, try and help them through that whole, through that whole process. Every team's different. And, you know, I know that, we're a long ways away from, you know, winning this round even, you know, like it's just our focus has got to be winning that third game and it's not going to be easy by no means. So I just, you know, you take every game, you know, game by game and, and see where it goes. You know, I think overall that's all you can do and playoffs are such a roller coaster, right? You win one game, you think you're going to win a championship but you lose one, you think the season's <laughs> over and it's like, it's just another game, you know, you really got to look at it that way and, I think that's kind of our message is, you know, it's, it's far from over and we know that. When, when you joined us earlier in the year, uh, during the regular season, we, we looked at the defense unit that you have. There not a lot of experience on that blue line. You liked where they came over a short period of time. Over the past few weeks, I've talked with Nugsy on the show and said that over the course of the season, no defense core has improved, I think, as much and showed what they're capable as much as the Battleford's North Stars. From your perspective, what have you gotten out of that group that no one really knew what they were capable of prior to the season? I agree. Like, I, I'm so happy with that group. And mm -hmm. they just, they want to get better and want to learn. And they listen to what you're talking about. And, you know, they're, they're, they're basically just pieces that kind of got pieced together. You know, yeah. You got little from from uh, Wayburn there. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess it was Wayway, and you got Wit from Kindersley, and two leaders that you know are just excited to be part of a you know a good program. And um, you know you've got just you know everything kind of just worked together. We got basically it's like we added Wilson Steele at the deadline. He, he was injured in October, and we got him back in February, which was a big you know, boost and, you know, Tynan's been our best defenseman all season. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you've got the young kids in Rask and Grill and Gold has been so good. And we've added Granger as an AP that's been good. Like, it just, they're getting it. Like, I just, I don't know what else to say, but they're just learning from each other and wanting to get better. And it's, it's been really special. And, and, and you know, all of it comes down to just playing games, you know, mm -hmm. and yeah, these kids that haven't had a chance to play last year, you just, you feel for them because it takes that long to learn, especially defense, I feel like, to really develop your game and, and really to understand what where you should be and what plays you should make. And you can't learn that in a skill session or, you know, in a power skate that they were stuck doing for two years. So you just got to get them into games. You got to allow them to make a mistake or two. And they've, they figured it out in the second half. Uh, final one for me, two games in the Access Communication Center, in the Battlefords. What was the energy like in the building back into the playoffs? First time in, you know, 730 days. And on the flip side, you know what it's like in the Whitney Forum in the playoffs. You've been through that. On March 15th is when the Manitoba restrictions all got lifted with limits. and They're going to play their first game with no restrictions in the playoffs on game three, what do you expect that, um, you know, 
filled with passion, but a hostile environment as well for visiting teams to go into. So both questions there, your building in game one and two and what you expect it to be in the Whitney forum game three and four. Yeah. One and two were great here. I think there was definitely some nervous energy early, you know, mm. from, you know, the, the fans and everything. It was just different. We, we haven't experienced that, you know, in a long time, you know, it's yeah. just, it, it was really different and nice to see, you know, fans back in the building and, and, you know, it was rocking in there that way. I think, you know, just personally, you just, you felt the energy was so different that we haven't experienced for such a long time. And, you know, I was telling our coaching staff, you just forget how long it's been, you know, it's just, it's different. And you just didn't know how to experience it. Even personally that I feel like I've, I've experienced lots, but nothing like that where it's been so long. So it was awesome. It was exciting. It was nice to, have the um, you know the fans back and, and the ACC rocking type of thing and yeah hopefully you know like we we're obviously going to probably need them on Friday again versus Flint Juan that they're going to be ready to go as well and you know I think the one thing you know we're going to be going now to Flint Juan which we got an eye opener in February when we played Flint Juan of what Flint Juan's all about and mm. it was really good for our guys to kind of experience it but not experience the way we're going to see it on Tuesday where it's going to be loud and there's going to be, it's going to be nuts. It's going to yeah. be, it's going to be something that that's really important that, you know, we're, we're going to have to be prepared for as best as we can. And we got to make sure our games the best it can be. And I think that's why us being too old was so critical because I knew how, how difficult it's going to be, you know, going back to the Whitney form, you know, it's never easy at the best of times. And now with it opening right up, I'm expecting it to be a, it's going to be a great experience for our kids, you know, and at the end of the day, what else could you ask for is these guys to experience what the Whitney Forum's all about in, in playoff time. So it's going to be, it's going to be something that uh, I'm looking forward to and the players should be as well. Braden, thanks as always. Obviously, congrats on the 2-0 and start. We know the job isn't done yet. So best of luck moving through the playoffs here with the North Stars. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. There was the head coach and GM of the Battle for North Stars, Braden Klamosko. We'll be right back on SJ at Noon. Welcome back to SJ at Noon. Rory McGoran, the Nugs, with you on your playoff edition of your SJHL Hockey Talk. SJ at Noon, big thanks to Brett Pilkington of the Notre Dame Hounds, Braden Klamosko of the Battle for North Stars. With your Capital Auto Coaches Talk, we've done your Sask Lotteries recap, and now look at your CA Road Report. We know what's on the road. It's going to the lower seed, heading for games three and four across the SJHL. We got three series that are tied 1-1, one series up 2-0. That's the North Stars over Flint Flon. Which one are you looking at here that's the most imperative for the team to pick up a victory? You'd think Flint Flon because you can't fall down 3 nothing, but I don't know if it's as sort of a gap because there you look at you look at Estevan, you look at Humboldt. It, does panic set in if you lose a game three and go down 2-1? I mean, I don't think if you're Scott Barney or Jason Tatarnik, there's any need to panic in any kind of a situation because those teams can ring off a of course bunch they can, of wins yeah. in a row. So, yeah, obviously there's the weight of expectation. I don't know what degree they... They feel it. I probably would say that Scott, that the Broncos going into Larange is a, is maybe even bigger than Estevan. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the Bruins want to win the SJ. They absolutely have to. But, you know, this is it for the humble Broncos, right? The Estevan Bruins have the Centennial Cup no matter what. Sure. Now, obviously, they want to win the SJ, and they've said that, and they're playing like it. Not not saying that they're not. But for Humboldt, it's if you blow this, and the season's over with this great team. So there's like that weight of pressure, but I think the answer is 
Flynn Flon. Flynn Flon. Flynn Flon. Yeah, it's clearly Flynn Flon down 2-0. Talk about, you know, you're not in trouble until you lose at home. And Flynn Flon's not in trouble until they lose at the Whitney Forum. Yeah, and the Whitney Forum should be rocking there for the Flynn Flon Bomber crowd as well as everywhere else. If, uh, if you're a fan of the lower seed, make sure you grab your tickets for game three and four. I know uh, in the building I was in, it was electric, but across yeah. the league, we mentioned it. We just got to give an applause to uh, the arena staff, the volunteers, the teams, and especially you guys, the fans, for, for coming out in droves and, and supporting your team in the playoffs because every team needs it. Yeah, and for me, I got personally, on a personal note, uh, I have seen the students – and the staff and the, the villagers, I guess, what they call them in Wilcox. Is that what you call them? The, villi- the, the, village, okay. the village people of Wilcox come <laughs> out uh, and support the hounds, you know, U18s, whatever it is. Uh, people, over, people who have been around Saskatchewan hockey remember what it was like back in 88 with Rod Brindamore and them when they won the Centennial Cup there, how crazy the, crazy the Duncan McNeil can be. So I'm hoping that there's some crazy red and whites because that's a, that's a different atmosphere uh, and in Wilcox with the with the students, and it's a bit of a college type of feel mm. uh, when when the students are in there and they're going bananas, uh, you know. And obviously, great great barns everywhere, but it's gonna be it's gonna be fun no matter where you are, Rory. Game three taking place on Tuesday, tomorrow coming up right across the SJHL. All four games back in action with game three. Grab your tickets, look at, listen to the radio, watch hockey TV, but however, however you do it, make sure you support your team. Uh, big thanks to Brett Pilkington and the Notre Dame Hounds, Braden Klamosko of the Battleford's North Stars. We'll be back after games three and four and, uh, and possibly five, maybe six, depending on when they're scheduled down the road. We don't know how deep a lot of these series are going to go, but uh, next Monday we'll be back right here on SJ at Noon.